Amen. Thank you, orchestra. Praise the Lord. Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Looking this morning at greater riches, greater riches. And Brother Jim, would you lead us in prayer, please, sir? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to be here this morning. We thank you for these beautiful hymns that Father, we have to magnify you this morning. Father, we ask that our hearts would be prepared now to receive what you have for us. We ask that you would bless Pastor and give him the words to say. And Father, just speak to our hearts now. We just thank you for all you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, and let's read verses 24 through 27. 24. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. My wife and I were sitting last night in the Meyer parking lot, and it just came to my mind. I thought, and I mentioned out loud to her, I thought, I wonder who is controlling the Meyer uh, Corporation now. I believe it started out with Henry and then his son Fred, and then I don't know all the names below that, um, but I was just imagining to her that I would guess it's probably in the fourth generation at least of, of active running the company. I don't know who's in charge overall by name right now, but and so I thought about that, and uh, I, I think, it, I don't know if it was my wife or me that just, I think it was my wife, but I mentioned what would it be like to be born a multi-billionaire? It's kind of it's hard for us to fathom, isn't it? To, to be born into a family like that where you were born worth billions of dollars. It's, it's hard to fathom that. And yet, despite that, there's greater riches than billions of dollars. And that's knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. So what happened here with Moses? Um, in verse 24, when he came to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So we don't have time to go back into all of it, but uh, in Moses' day, um, the Egyptian king, the Pharaoh, decided that Israel was multiplying too much. And so he wanted to kill all of the Jewish baby boys. And so that didn't work. The midwives wouldn't cooperate with him. And so then he said to all of his people, cast all the baby boys into the river. Well, the Nile River was one of their many false gods. And so because you wonder, how could anyone do that to their children? It's hard to fathom. But to them, um, they were looking at it as one of their gods. It was a sacrifice unto one of their false gods. Um, and so... If you notice back in Exodus chapter 1, Exodus 1, so Moses turned his back on all of that, all the wealth, all of the life in the palace, all of that for Christ's sake. He turned his back 
on that. He, he saw that those riches are so temporary. He decided that the pleasures of sin were only for a season. And he realized, you know what? The seasons go by fast. And he realized life was going by fast. And he turned to the Lord. But in Exodus 1.13, Exodus 1.13, And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with what? Hard bondage and mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field, all their service, wherein they made them serve was with rigor. You know, as Americans, we're supposedly free. We're supposed to be. And we think about, uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. And so all people truly are supposed to be free in America. But notice with me in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Did you know that most Americans really are not free? Most Americans are not free. Um, notice in John 8, 34. The Bible says, Jesus answered, And verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever, what? Committeth sin is what? The servant of sin. So the Bible tells us that if we commit sin, we are the servant of sin. Does that sound like freedom? I didn't have time to read it, the news article, but I came across my computer that someone, this, this college graduate, that's what the title said, college graduate finds out that she cannot afford to live. She can't afford a house. Uh, she can't afford all, all the payments. Um, my wife and I, as I mentioned last night, were in the mire and just um, we picked up something that uh, was like, I guess, I guess maybe I don't pay attention to prices, but I thought it was like double the price that it was the last time we bought it. And I thought, wow. And, and what was the, that same product line, what a different company on the shelf above was double the price of that. It was double the price of what I thought was double the price the last time I bought it. And you go to the next shelf up and that's double that price. And so here's this young lady saying, I can't afford to live. I, I, I. So when you get in that situation, what do you feel like? A slave. When you get into the situation where you're earning a check and it's always gone before you even get it home, what do you feel like? You feel like a slave. That's what you feel like. Well, the Bible says, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. You feel the pressure of it. Well, how do you get out of that servitude? Look at verse 36, John 8, 36. If who? The Son. The son. And who's the Son? Jesus. Jesus. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free what? Indeed. indeed. What does it mean, free indeed? It means free in truth. I may be an American citizen, and I might be said to be free, but am I free? Well, no, if I'm living in sin, I'm not free. I'm a slave to my sin. So I might be free, but not free indeed. But if the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Notice with me in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Oh, this, this world um, is in such a turmoil. And you know what? It's just another sign that time is running out. 
The Bible tells us in Matthew 24 that the days of the Lord's return is going to be like the days of Noah. Well, what was like the days of Noah? God had said it back in Genesis chapter 6 that the earth was filled with violence. Um, has anyone heard anything about violence this week? Every week. Every week. Whether it's people storming stores and robbing them, uh, whether it's wars, whether it's just people being violently assaulted. It's just another sign that time is running out. In Acts 4.12, the Bible says, Neither is there what? Salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Well, what name is he talking about? Go back to verse 10. Verse 10, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by what? The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Are you here this morning whole? Not just physically, but spiritually. Spiritually, are you here whole? Are you here complete in Christ? Sins forgiven, saved. Time is running out to make that decision. Um, so Moses saw the emptiness in his life, and he came to the Lord Jesus Christ, even though it meant suffering. Um, but then Moses tried to do things his own way. And it didn't go so well, and he had to run for his life. And notice in Exodus 3, so we pick up, Moses has had to run to the backside of the desert. He's in the wilderness. Have you ever felt like running there? Just, just let me get away from people. Um, just let me get away from it all. Well, Moses had that wish for 40 years. And then God came to him because now Moses was humble. Now Moses had no plans for greatness for himself. He just figured he'd live the rest of his days in the middle of the wilderness, the backside of the desert. But in Exodus 3.10, Exodus 3.10, we'll read through 14. God says to him, come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, what? Who am, I? Who am I? You know what? When we get to that point where someone wants something great done, and we say, and they come to us, and they say they would like us to do it, the right outlook is, is who am I? Who am I? You know, we live in a day of where you're taught how to do resumes and, you know, if you've been a garbage collector, suddenly you're a sanitation engineer. And they, they teach us to give ourselves all these lofty titles. But you know what, Moses, Moses was humble. In fact, the Bible says he was the meekest man upon the face of the earth. You know, that's where God wants each of us to be. Isn't it sad that pride so easily overcomes us. I mean, we can be successful in the, just the smallest thing, and just the pride just seems to ooze out. Where, where does it come from? 
that old sin nature, just so proud. Uh, but Moses now was in the right frame of mind, the right spiritual condition. Um, in verse 11, And Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go into Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he, God, said, Certainly what? I will be with thee. So who, who will be with him? God. Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. That's the right frame of mind for all of us. This week, how can each of us be successful this week? Well, it's not by looking at ourselves and say, well, I have this ability and this ability and this and this and this. It's, Lord, I'm facing another week. Who am I? Who am I to succeed? I can't do it without you, Lord. That is the frame of mind God can bless. Um, so what does God tell him? Um, as we read down here then, uh, in verse 13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Now you may say, Well, what do you mean? What is his name? Remember, they had been in Egypt for 430 years. Um, and you think about it. There was false gods, uh, abundant false gods. Verse 14, And God said unto Moses, What? I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. What, what was he saying? He was saying, Moses, when they ask who sent you, you tell them the I am. What does that mean? It's a, it, it's, it's, it's a being verb. What do you mean, God? You, tell, you go tell them that the God who exists sent you. You don't have to worry about a whole bunch of names because they've had, how many names did they know of, of false gods? You just go tell them, the God who exists sent you. The God who exists, because there is only one God who exists. Notice with me in Psalm 96, Psalm 96 and verse 5, Psalm 96, 5. You know, you may have at work, you may have Muslims, you may have Jehovah's Witnesses, you may have Buddhists. Um, who knows what you might have at work? And the bottom line is, is you serve the God who truly exists. Who is he? Psalm 96.5. For all the gods of the nations are what? Idols. But the Lord... Made what? So what is the distinction between the true and the living God and idols? Right here it tells you God is the one who created everything. God, the true and the living God, the, the, the God who actually exists is the creator. That's who we need to know. Notice in Ecclesiastes 12, Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1. Ecclesiastes 12, 1. 
And when is the best time to know him? Ecclesiastes 12, 1, remember now who? Thy creator in the days of what? Thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Well, you understand that the older you get, you understand that. The days come where you have no pleasure in them. The days come where it might be days filled with pain versus when you're young. The, the most you have to worry about when you're young many times is days filled with boredom, but not days filled with pain and agony. When people get older, the, the, the things that you face. So, so the question for us is, is are we humble? Weak. I mean, we may say, hmm, this week's going to be a pushover. I've got this and this to do. Hmm. <laughs> maybe and maybe not. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Proverbs 27.1. None of us know if it's going to be a pushover or if it's going to be extremely difficult. So we need to enter this week. Sunday is the first day of the week. So many times we think Monday is because that's when the normal work week starts again. But Sunday, look on your calendar. Sunday is the first day of the week. So this is the first day. On this first day, are we saying, oh, Lord, I need your help. I need your power. Um, notice with me in Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57 and verse 15. The attitude of humility, not pride. We sing about the flag, what so proudly we hailed in the twilight's last gleaming. I wish they would have wrote humbly, which so humbly so humbly we looked at because it was only by God's grace that flag was still flying. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place with him also that is of a what? A contrite and what? Humble spirit. To revive the spirit of who? The humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Contrite has the idea of being crushed. Crushed. I dwell in a high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So Moses led Israel. Moses ended up accepting, not accepting, he ended up saying, oh, Lord, send someone. So God sends Aaron and his brother with him, but he ends up going. And so if we go to Deuteronomy chapter 4, so God leads uh, Moses and the people right back to that mountain where he had been. And it was at that mountain then that God ends up giving him um, the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 10. We'll read through verse 13. Deuteronomy 4, 10. Especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. And ye came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire under the midst of heaven, with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. 
And the Lord, what? Spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. Ye, what? Heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude, only ye heard a voice. And he declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform even, what? Ten commandments. And he wrote them upon two tables of stone. So the children of Israel not only saw the Ten Commandments later on the tables of stone, but they heard God speak the Ten Commandments first. They heard him speak. How many of you have ever wished, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever wished at some point in your life that you could just hear God answer your question? Maybe you were praying about something and and you were reading the Bible and you were seeking the Lord and you were trying to make the right decision, but it came right down to it and you still, I'm just not quite sure what to do. And and how many of you have ever just wished, Lord, I, I just wish you could just audibly tell me this or that. Well, it's very possible that everyone in here has wished at one time or another that 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 would be possible. Notice with me in in Exodus chapter 20. So this is what the people heard in Exodus 20. The Ten Commandments. In verse 3, Exodus 23, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Uh, Verse 4, commandment number 2, Thou shalt not make any any graven image. Verse 7, commandment 3, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God, in vain. Verse 8, commandment 4, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Verse 12, commandment 5, honor thy father and thy mother. Verse 13, commandment 6, thou shalt not kill. Verse 14, commandment 7, thou shalt not commit adultery. Verse 15, commandment 8, thou shalt not steal. Verse 16, commandment 9, thou shalt not bear false witness. In other words, thou shalt not lie. Verse 17, commandment 10, thou shalt not covet. So the the children of Israel heard God speak all of these commands. Now, how long do you think it was? So I don't know how you answered it in your mind just a few moments ago have you ever wished that you could just hear god say something audibly and so the israel heard god speak audibly all of these ten commandments now did it help them obey god that's the question no okay how long do you think they actually they they felt the mountain shake they saw the the mountain on fire They heard these words, these Ten Commandments spoken. They were afraid. They were so afraid, they asked Moses and said, tell tell God to speak to you. We don't want to hear his voice anymore lest we die. I mean, the fear of God was in them. So how long do you think they kept these commandments? Knowing they actually heard them from God's mouth. How many years do you think they kept the Ten Commandments? No years, not even one year. How many months do you think they kept these commandments? Well, you can't put plural on it. It wasn't 
two or more. It was less. How many weeks? Well, it was down to 40 days, so six, six weeks, something. Because Moses was up there on the mount, 40 days and 40 nights. And they had broken two of the commandments before he even got down there. You know, sometimes we think, well, the first time the Ten Commandments were broken is when Moses <laughs> broke the tables of stone. Well, that's not actually true. Two commandments were broken before he ever did that. What were they? Well, <laughs> it was the very first two commandments. Um, hold your place here in Exodus 20 and turn with me to Exodus 32. Exodus 32. Those of you with children, have you ever told your children to do something? And just a moment later, they did just exactly what you told them not to do. Um, in Exodus 32, in verse 1, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, What? Up, do what? Make us gods which shall go before us. Well, hold your place there. Turn back to Exodus 20, verse 3. Exodus 20, verse 3. What was the very first commandment? God said, thou shalt have what? No other gods. In no less than 40 days, they had broke the very first commandment. The very first one. Because in Exodus 32, they're asking Aaron to make them gods. Just what God said not to do. So what did Aaron do? Aaron was the next leader in charge down there. And so what did Aaron tell him? Did he say, hey, don't you remember what we just heard less than 40 days ago? We just heard God's first command was not to make any other gods. And you're asking me to make you gods? What is wrong with you? Don't you remember how afraid you were? No, sadly, he was not that kind of a leader. Um, verse 2 of Exodus 32, 2. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And the, all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand, and fashioned it with what? A graving tool after he had made it what? A molten calf. Well, if you would hold your place here and go back with me to Exodus 20, verse 4. Exodus 20, verse 4, God, the very the, the number two commandment was, Thou shalt not make unto thee any what? Graven image. image. Aaron did that very thing. They broke the first commandment by asking Aaron to make them gods, and he broke the second commandment by making them a graven image, a golden calf. So, it would... Would it help us to be any more faithful to the Lord if we could hear his voice? I'm afraid it wouldn't. I'm afraid we think it would, but it wouldn't. We have the written word of God. If you notice with me in, in um, Luke chapter 16, Luke chapter 16, Luke 16, And verse 27, Luke 16, 27. This is the rich man in hell. 
Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, where I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have what? Moses and the prophets. Now, Moses and the prophets were not still alive. They've been dead a long time, but he's talking about the scriptures. They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not, who? Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. It's talking about the scriptures. If, if a person today will not believe the Bible, the scriptures, they still wouldn't get saved. Even if someone rose from the dead, they still would not believe. Well, our, our time is, is fleeting so fast here, but let's just go back to Exodus 32. I just want to summarize some things here be, uh, before we leave this. So what happened? Um, God has to send Moses down there to straighten him out. In Exodus 32 and verse 6. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up what? To play. Now, last week I was not able to be here. I was sick, but I listened into Brother Jesse's Sunday school lesson. And he told you about a, a church that on Super Bowl Sunday um, actually kicked the Bible in their, in their church service. And uh, it was all, all playtime. You notice here that these people in their, their backslidden condition, um, they, they supposedly were worshiping God, but they had a graven image. Um, and they ate and drank and rose up to play. This Hebrew word play is used 13 times in the Bible. Six times it's translated laugh. Um, Brother Jesse mentioned in his message, Sunday school message, that, that the people of that church said you might not agree with everything here, but, we, but you know, something about, but you will have fun. Is, is that the purpose of gathering together to worship God? No. Um, they, they rose up to play. Um, four times that word is translated mock, two times sport, and this, in this instance, play. So it just gives you an illustration of, of what the world is doing in their so-called worship of God. Their worship is characterized as play and did not make God happy. He had to send Moses down to straighten him out. You notice the second thing in verse 17, Exodus 32, 17. So Joshua and Moses are coming down from the mountain, and the Bible says, And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There is a noise of what? War in the camp. So they're coming down, Moses and Joshua. And Joshua says, Moses, um, there's a noise of war in the camp. Something's going on. Look at verse 18. Moses responds. He said, It is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that what? Sing do I hear. So Joshua thinks it's the, the noise of war. Moses said, no. It's actually singing. That type of music is involved in so much of worship today. It's a, if you, I checked on the YouTube some of the uh, 
videos of what Brother Jesse was talking about. The, this exactly matches the, the music they were playing in that church that day. It was wild music. Um, notice in verse 19. And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh into the camp, that he, Moses, saw the calf and what? The dancing. And Moses was filled with joy. Is that what it says? No, he did not come down and see the calf and the dancing and said, oh, all right, man, this is a good time. Let's worship the Lord. No, his anger waxed hot. And he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. But we're not through. Look at verse 25. And when Moses saw that the people were what? Naked. For Aaron had made them naked under their shame among their enemies. Listen, wherever there's that type of wild music and wherever there's that type of dancing going on, you're going to find immodest dress, nakedness going on, without a doubt. So when we think here of this situation, um, and Moses, we'll just have to get to a different time, but what Moses um, did here, and let's see, i got to get to my right page here. Um, I wanted to point out one other thing to you before we go, and that's in chapter 33, Exodus 33, in verse 3. Exodus 33, 3. So after all of that corruption going on down below, Exodus 33, 3, God speaking, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up, what? In the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. God is saying, you know what? Things are going to change. Where was the tabernacle supposed to be? And the, and the Levites here are supposed to be in the center of the camp with all the other tribes around them. You know what God says right here? I'm not going to go up in the midst of you. This is what you have become. Your wickedness, your worldliness. I'm not going up in the midst of you. And the people mourned then. And uh, verse 4, and when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on him his ornaments. Verse 5, for the Lord had said unto Moses, saying to the children of Israel, ye are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Oreb. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it where? Without the camp. The tabernacle had the, the ark in it, not Noah's ark, but the ark of the covenant where the Ten Commandments would be put. And Moses took the tabernacle, pitched it without the camp. And then after, after that, it says, afar off from the camp and called it what? The tabernacle of the congregation. The tabernacle of the congregation. And as I was reading this, I thought, Moses, what are you doing? You're taking the, the tabernacle, God's presence, out of the midst of the camp, and you're putting it af, out of the camp, afar off, and then you're calling it the tabernacle of the congregation? You, you just took it out of the midst of the congregation and put it afar off. Why are you calling it the tabernacle of the congregation? It says he called it that. He called it the tabernacle of the congregation. My friends, it's a picture for us today. 
this world, even so-called Christianity, has become so wicked and worldly, worldly and idolatrous. It's no different than Exodus 32. Listen, God is not in the midst of all that. He's not in the midst of it. And for us, we need to be willing to go afar off. Listen, it's a welcoming place. God wants us to be in his presence. But the, the tabernacle was placed afar off from the camp, afar off from the congregation, but then called the tabernacle of the congregation. God is welcoming people. What, is, what does all this mean? It means salvation. What does it mean? It means repentance. Salvation means, it doesn't mean cleaning ourselves up because we can't, but it does mean turning away from that wickedness toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to be saved. I want to be cleansed. Uh, I see the emptiness of this life of sin. And you know what? With a with the tabernacle out yonder, afar off, everyone could see who was walking there. Everyone. And you know, it's time to not be ashamed of the Lord. It's time to not be ashamed of the Lord. And it goes on to say that those who wanted to worship him went out there to the tabernacle. Where are we today? Where are we at? I pray that we would be unashamed of the Lord. This morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, what it means is turning from sin to Him. He will do the cleansing. Turning doesn't save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you, but it requires turning to Him. And He will save. Repent and be converted. Your sins shall be blotted out. As Christians, it's, it's, it's time to to take a stand and be unashamed of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we, we are ashamed to think of the state of our nation, just so ungodly, pushing those things that are an abomination to you. Lord, we are ashamed of what is so often called church. Uh, just a, a nightclub atmosphere of, of wickedness. Father, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We want to live holy lives. I pray, Lord, if there are any here this morning who have never been saved, help them to realize that just like Moses, he made a choice. He left the palace. He left being Pharaoh's daughter's adopted son. And he made a choice to be with the people of God and to even be willing to suffer if need be for a time on this earth. I pray, Father, that if there are any here that are not saved, that this morning they'd be willing to take that turn away from the world to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he alone can cleanse and save and fulfill. I pray you'd help us as Christians. Lord, have we, have we been a bad example to those around us? We think of Aaron. What a horrible example he was by making that image. He broke that second command. 
Lord, we want to please you. We want to see the, your blessings. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take care.